We are so glad to have y'all here with us. I'm very glad to be back to worship with y'all. So let's go ahead and stand as we uh, open with some, some music. Thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, thou art dear desire of every nation, joy of every long. Jesus, what a friend for sinners, Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me, He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior, hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving me. Good morning, everybody. You're welcome to take a seat if you would like. I'd like to welcome you here this morning to Faith Family Fellowship. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here. Uh, so if you're a visitor or a guest with us, there should be a card in the pew right in front of you. We'd love to have a record of your being here. If you would take that and just fill that out, drop that in the basket on your way out as you're offering this morning, would, uh, would, very, would really value the opportunity to reach out to you this week, uh, see if there's anything we can do for you, pray for you and uh, connect with you this week. So, welcome. Uh, we have a few things to look at uh, this morning, a gathering uh, coming up in a few weeks on the 15th, so not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, 
where we'll wrap up our Wednesday evening uh, discipleship opportunities, uh, men's and women's groups, and kids and students for the semester. And uh, it'll be a big gathering. And so we'll have some food and some testimony time, some time uh, in, in music to worship the Lord together. And it's, it's a family time, just to gather together, to enjoy, to rejoice in what the Lord is doing, to rejoice in the time together, and, uh, and ultimately in, in Christ and Him exalted. And so that will be uh, the 15th, uh, I believe you see the times, yep, 6.30 to 7.45. And there is a sign-up for it online on the website at faithfamilyonline.com, uh, just so that we can have an idea of how many, how many folks will come, so there's food for everyone, and everyone's covered. All right. So that's there for the 15th, and we are also memorizing Scripture together, and we have a new one, a new few verses this morning for December. And so from Numbers, uh, we have we have 2319, and so since this is the first week, we will we'll just read it and uh, read it together and begin pondering and considering God's Word. All right, so if you would, read with me. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Numbers 23, 19. One more time. God is not man, that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Numbers 23, 19. All righty. So we will we'll go back to that next week and encourage you to spend some time uh, during the week uh, reading it, thinking on it, praying over the words and what, what God means. Because his word is living and active, and it is sharp, and it, it cuts to the foundation of who we are. And so God, by his spirit, will speak to you through his word. So press in. Uh, spend some time asking him to open your eyes and uh, help, it, help you understand. So that is, uh, that's for December. Let's pray, ask the Lord's blessing on our time together, and we'll continue in worship. All right. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the time together. I thank you for this opportunity uh, to gather around your word, to gather around your cross, what you have done on our behalf. Lord God, you, before the foundation of the earth, you said that you would come, Lord Jesus. You would take flesh, you would dwell among us, you would fulfill the law that we fail to fulfill. You would do exactly what we are expected to, yet fail to, and you, Lord Jesus, would give your life on our behalf. And Lord, while we were sinners, while we were enemies, you died for us. And so, Father, I thank you that we can see what you have done recorded in Scripture that historically happened. We have a trustworthy copy of what has occurred, what you have inspired, that we can learn of who Jesus is and what he has done, and that your Spirit can coincide and come with and and open our eyes to your truth. And so, Father, I ask this morning that, Lord, the reality of the gospel that Jesus gave his life on our behalf and that by your Spirit you raised him in victory over sin and death, that, God, you would speak that reality to us this morning. That, Lord, we would see through your word you, Lord Jesus, high and lifted up. And that, God, you would draw us all to you. And so, Father, would you speak? Would you be glorified?
glorified this morning. Draw us all before you by your spirit and your
certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so sending him to be the sacrifice to pay the price for our sin 
to buy us with his blood. Lord, help us to to celebrate and enjoy this time as we as we look at you coming down, taking flesh, sending your son. And God, help us not to forget why he came. Lord, help us to rejoice that he has redeemed us. God, I pray for Pastor Joel as he brings the word that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. God, that we will leave this building, this place, better equipped to be your church. God, to show your love to those around us. To be able to spread the gospel, to share the good news that Christ died for our sins. That he was buried and that he rose again. Father, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. I am so glad to have you back. <laughs> Those of you that weren't here last uh, Sunday, uh, Alex was not able to be here. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why, but let me let me see your left hand. I I I heard he's not wearing an engagement ring, but I heard he got engaged during the holidays. That's, well, that's, I guess that's what, uh, why he wasn't here last week. It was just such a hard... Uh, he's, uh, he and Maddie have become engaged uh, to be married, and uh, don't know when that's going to be, but uh, we're just glad for the two of you, okay? And uh, thought I'd embarrass him a little bit, but also let you know so that uh, the cat is out of the bag, right? Uh, I'm glad to see you here this morning, and uh, uh, pray God will bless you and uh, speak to your heart, use you greatly this week. We're going to be talking about peace today uh, as we uh, look at the weeks of uh, Christmas. Uh, we call that Advent, His coming into the world. We talked about hope last week, and uh the idea of hope is looking forward to something that the scripture tells us is a reality. Uh, but a hope that's fulfilled is not hope. And uh, so we have a hope. We have a hope of return of the Lord. We have a hope of our uh, fulfillment of all our salvation in Jesus Christ. That what he's begun in us, he's going to continue until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a, our hope, but it is an assurance that we have within us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about peace, and uh, that's a word that we really need to know a lot about uh, in the day in which we live, because people are not at peace. I don't know if you've noticed that. You know, there seems to be a lot of anger going around, a lot of discord, a lot of disharmony. Uh, we are a divided people uh, culturally right now, we've, we don't have a unity that uh, we've known in past times. And uh, there is a, uh, a desire to uh, uh, be a part of a destructive culture. 
I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago, um, there was a, uh, a pro-life group at the University of St. Louis that had set up a, uh, a little display uh, in the shape of a cross. They were red flags that were there in the shape of a cross, and they represented the numbers of uh, abortions that had taken place in our nation over the past year. And uh, they were there were some students who came along and started pulling them out. And one of the pro-life uh, people started videoing it as they were doing it. And uh, one of the young ladies, in response uh, to the videoing, uh, her comment was, uh, you have no right to say anything about this, and we're going to continue, and use an explicative, we're going to continue to kill babies. And, and that's a sad state of affairs. Uh, it's a revelation of the heart that the value of life has been diminished in our culture. Uh, we, ought, we as believers ought to have a high view of life. Uh, man was created on the sixth day. Mankind was created on the sixth day at the pinnacle of creation. Uh, and uh, we, are, we are the ultimate uh, design of God's creative order because we are made in the image of God. And so in the image of God, He has made both male and female. And uh, we as God's people need to support that kind of view of mankind and knowing uh, that people are going to spend an eternity uh, either with or without Christ. And so uh, we have a message, and our message is a message of peace. And uh, uh, so I hope I, your heart will be encouraged. Do come back tonight at, at 6 for our evening service. We're going to have a time of, of worship through song, but what I don't want you to miss is uh, uh, Matthew will be speaking tonight. He's going to be sharing with you uh, some of the struggle, the trial, and triumph of his trip to Taiwan uh, to adopt Sophie. And uh, God spoke to his heart in a very specific way. And it's a message that I think all of us need to hear. Uh, so make plans to be back tonight if you can, okay? Uh, before we read God's Word, uh, let me lead us again in prayer uh, and Lord, as we bow together in prayer, in prayer right now, Lord, we, we want to thank you that we have a Prince of Peace. And his name is Jesus. And it is Jesus who has promised uh, a peace, not like the world gives, uh, that uh, is only the absence of conflict, but a peace that is an abiding peace. It is an eternal peace. Uh, it is a peace that can bring us through uh, both times of prosperity and times of trial and persecution. And so, Father, uh, help us this morning to, uh, to have such a, an encounter with you that we know that we have the peace with God and we have the peace of God abiding in our hearts so that you can send us out into the community, out into the uh, world in which we live to be 
peacemakers. And you said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so we want to be those kind of people who are carrying a message of, of hope, uh, a message of assurance, but a message that brings peace uh, between a God who created us and made us and uh, who has sent his son to save us from our sin. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we'll be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, this morning. And I've uh, got some uh, points to bring out, I hope, that are simple for you, but also encouraging to you from this passage of Scripture. So let me begin reading in verse 25. And uh, I know that we're picking up right in the middle of something. We have a man by the name of Simeon. Uh, Simeon is an elderly man. Uh, he is coming to the uh, end of his life and his eyes are growing dim, but he's had a hope. He's had a hope that's been in his heart all of this time and his hope is that he would behold, he'd be able to put his eyes on the salvation of the Lord. And it's something that God has spoken to him about, already put it in his heart and said, this is going to happen for you. And now he gets to experience this, and notice what he uh, says about uh, his departure to heaven uh, as we read this. So verse 25 says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, I, consolation has the idea of comfort in it, the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. When the parents of Jesus brought in the child Jesus... To do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, he took him, Jesus, up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him, about their son Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now when you go to the Oxford Dictionary, uh, and I'm sure you do on a regular basis, uh, you might look up the definition of peace, 
And what you'll find it to say is uh, basically three concepts. Number one, peace is a situation or a period of time in which there is no war or violence in a country or an area. And that makes sense. We understand that peace. When there's no violence going on around you, there's no war that's taking place. But then the second set of definitions has to do with the state of being calm or quiet. The state of being calm or quiet. I'm at peace. I'm in a state of being, as it were, that within my heart and within my soul, everything is okay. Now, you and I probably know better what it's like to be disturbed than we do know what it's like to be at peace. Uh, we have uh, more time on our hands than ever before, right? <laughs> well, we've got all these time-saving devices and uh, appliances and things. I mean, you know, you don't have to go out and feed the horse and you don't have to saddle it and then get on top of the horse and ride for hours to get to your destination. You just go and get in your car and take off. You've got plenty of time on your hands, right? There's no stress. Life is just easy. And you look at me and you're all grinning and smiling because that's just not the way it is. It seems like we have more opportunities of interaction with people. And in interacting with people, we find out a little bit more of who we are and a little bit more who they are. And there is oftentimes conflict when that happens. So we know what it's like to not be at peace. Well, to be at peace is this state of being calm and quiet, no matter what's going on around you. And then thirdly, it's the state of living in friendship with somebody without arguing the state of being in friendship with somebody without arguing a person of peace that you can be with well what about what does the Bible have to say about peace well from from a dictionary of the of the word peace in the Bible it says that uh, peace is a settled state of well-being and harmony between enemies or nations or relationships and really that's the idea behind Jesus being our peace. We understand being at peace with God and the peace of God. They're two different things. To be at peace with God means that we were once enemies of God and through the redemption that is ours, through the price paid by Christ on Calvary, He made us who were once enemies with God to now be friends through justification through a righteousness that comes by faith, right? So that's peace. We've been made to be at peace with God through the blood of his cross. The cross makes peace between man and God. There is no other way. Jesus is the only way. And he is the way of peace. But there's a peace of God that comes from our relationship with our Savior that is a peace of God that, that helps us through times of trial and difficulty. And we're going to see both of these as we uh, look through this passage of Scripture. But I want you to see that this peace is first of all purchased by Jesus' sacrifice. Now this is introduction, okay? This is not the 
the message. This is the introduction. Uh, it was purchased by Jesus' sacrifice. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So this peace with God comes through a sacrifice, uh, through the blood of the cross of Christ. So it was purchased for us. But secondly, it's also a product of faith in Christ. In other words, it has to become a reality for us. Uh, Jesus, um, when, when Mary Magdalene comes and she breaks open the alabaster box of ointment and pours it on the feet of Jesus, uh, there is a, a lawyer, an attorney that is there and says, this isn't right, she's a sinful woman. You shouldn't, if you were really a prophet, you wouldn't let her touch your feet. And you, you remember Jesus says to the woman uh, in response to that man's question in Luke 7.50, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So peace has been made through the cross of Christ, but it can only become a reality to us uh, as a product of being in Christ, being, having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if we are in Christ, this is really the peace of God, that it is thirdly provided by the Holy Spirit. So it was purchased by Jesus' sacrifice. It is a product of faith in Christ, but it is provided by the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So how do you have this peace of God that abides in you? It is in a walk with Christ. It is a walk in the Holy Spirit of God. So that was as the foundation of peace that we're talking about. Let's go through these verses. And I want to, I want to point out seven things for you out of this text. Number one is the reward of peace. All right. So this is the point. Of, this is the meat of the message. So look again at verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for a comfort from the Lord, a consolation of Israel. He's talking about salvation. And it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. When we really have peace with God, there is a reward that comes with that. There is a relationship, maybe a better word to put there. The relationship of peace. And that is... There comes the abiding Holy Spirit of God. If you know Christ as Savior and Lord, there is an inner witness in your heart and soul that you belong to Him. Do you ever struggle with the assurance of your salvation? Probably. I think that's a, a natural uh, uh, conflict that we have in our walk with Christ. We have uh, moments of uh, great fruitfulness and we have moments of uh, dryness in our spiritual walk. Some of you have said to me, I've been uh, having a spiritual dryness now for several years. Others of you have shared with me, man, it's just, you know, if, if, it, if, I just, if, I got, if it got any better for me, I'd just have to have two of me to be raptured up into heaven. I mean, it's just so good. We go through times like that. And uh, there is this reward of peace, which is a, 
a comfort that comes by the Holy Spirit of God who lives and indwells within us. It was the uh, prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40, and I can, I can still hear the words of the, of the musical, the Messiah, sing, and singing this, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. And that's what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 40 and verse 1. Comfort my people. There is this longing on the heart of God to bless his people. And what is the reason for that comfort? Verse 2 of Isaiah 40 says, It's because her iniquity has been pardoned. Where does the comfort come from? Where, where is this peace uh, Where's its roots? It's in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary in our behalf. My iniquity has been pardoned. And so as we come to uh, the Christmas season, and it's great to practice traditions. And, and I don't know how you feel about Christmas, but isn't it a lovely po- uh, period of time? It is. And you've gotten your decorations out. I, I, in my neighborhood, most people had already decorated before Thanksgiving. And I don't know how it was around you, uh, but that's the way it's been. It, it's good to have these traditions, but the reminder is that Christ came to bring peace between God and man. And it was purchased by his own blood on the cross of Calvary. But secondly, in this passage, there's a revelation of peace. So how do I get this peace? How does this peace become mine? Notice in verse 26, it says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. There was within this heart of this man, Simeon, he had been waiting a long time to see the fulfillment and the promise of what God had given to him. But what God had given to him came by revelation. God opened his eyes. Uh, The scripture says time and time again as Jesus spoke and shared with those that were listening to him. He let him who has ears to hear listen. Let the one who has eyes to see, see. There is a reality that Christianity is not a religion to be practiced. It's, it's, not a, it's not a doctrine to be known, but it is a person to come and abide in your heart and live with you and to walk with you. And it has to come by a revelation of God. And it was revealed to this man, Simeon, you're going to see salvation. I don't know how your conversion was. We, some of us were talking during the Sunday school hour about it. And uh, uh, there are those people who can nail down the, the I mean the moment. They can say, I was, I was born again on this day. And I, I remember the words that I said. You and I can look in the scripture and there's uh, an example of that. His name is Saul of Tarsus, right? He's on the road to Damascus. He has this encounter with Christ and there's a revelation that takes place. He sees Jesus. Who are you? He says, I'm the one that you are, you are persecuting. Uh, and Jesus confronts him with that. And then salvation takes place. 
His physical eyes are made to be blind. He goes to the street called Straight in Damascus. And uh, there his eyes are opened and he sees. And he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. But then we were talking earlier about Peter. When you think about Peter, when did Peter become a believer? Well, you could argue that he, when Jesus said, come follow me. And he left his nets and he followed the Lord. Uh, it could be argued maybe at a later time because, they, I mean, he denies the Lord. Uh, there comes a moment of total denial of who Christ is. I don't know him. I don't want to be a part of him. Jesus taught us, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So at what point does Peter actually become a born-again child of God? I don't know the answer to that question. And there's some of you that say, well, I can't necessarily nail down the day and the hour and the moment, but I know that he has saved me. You see, because salvation comes by revelation, first of all. And then it comes by the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is a regeneration that takes place by the Holy Spirit. So there's this uh, mystery, as it were, to becoming God's children of peace. It's not something that you can necessarily do except respond to what God himself is doing in your life. So number three, let's look down at verses 27 and 28 and see the realization of peace that is here. Uh, he came in the spirit into the temple. We're talking about Simeon now. Simeon comes into the temple in the spirit. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. In other words, Simeon's done this many times. This is his responsibility. It's his time. You know how you have your time in the uh, child care you should be shaking your head. Everybody should be shaking their head up and down, okay? You're serving time with the child care, okay? Simeon's got his time. He was a part of the tribe of Levi, at least his wife was. And he's got his time in the temple to, to work. Many people come in and dedicate their children. When Mary and Joseph bring in Jesus, he takes him in his arms and he blesses God. Because there's a reality that this is the Christ. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, but there comes a realization. And I think salvation can be that way sometimes. I don't know about you. I, my conversion was one where I confessed Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, and uh, then I'm at... I'm in high school, and uh, I had had a foul mouth before becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm in high school, and I'm budding around with my buddies, and all of a sudden, there's words that come out of my mouth that uh, some guys go, I thought you told me you were saved this summer. Well, yeah, I was. Well, your mouth needs to get saved, Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Whatever it is. But it just happened to be, in my case, that was it. And there had to come a realization that 
Christ had saved me and now therefore I belong to him. My mouth is no longer my mouth, but it's his. There's the reality that, no, I, I didn't get a ticket to go to heaven. A person came to live inside of me. And now I belong to him. The, the God that clothed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that was taken away when they fell in their rebellion against God and they recognized they had no clothing upon themselves. All of a sudden there was the realization that they were sinners. And what did they do? They hid themselves. And what did God do in His tender mercy and His grace? He showed them favor and He killed an animal, a picture of the sacrifice for our sin of Christ that is to come and He clothed them in the animal skins. It's a picture of our salvation. We who are dead in our trespasses and sin are made alive in Christ. And in growing in grace, there has to come this realization that I am His. Now, if you've had a walk with Christ for many years, you know that realization. You know He revealed Himself to me. And there's a reality that I belong to Him. But every once in a while, what do we do? We want to take... Wicked vacations away from God. We want to take steps away from Him. And there has to be a reality, a realizing, hey, I can't do that. I think that's part of what's happening here with Simeon. There's this realization that the hope that he had is now a reality. It's been revealed to him, but I actually have Jesus. My prayer for you today is that there's a reality in you of either I have Christ in my life or I do not have Christ in my life. That there's no pretense, there's, there's no putting on a, a, a mask as it were and say everything is okay when the reality is everything is not okay. And then fourthly, there is a release of peace that comes by having this reality that I belong to him there comes this release that peace brings notice what he says in verse 29 and now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word there's this understanding that I've been set free something's changed in me uh, you remember in Mark's gospel, there's a recording of uh, a man, a paralyzed man that's brought to Jesus by four of his friends. And four of his friends bring him to Jesus, but there's such a crowd around where Jesus is in this home, they can't get to him. And you know the story. Uh, they dug a hole in the roof. They had a, probably a sod-type roof on that house, and they dug a hole in it, and they let the man down in to see Jesus. When they let him in uh, down before Jesus, Jesus says to this man, uh, your sins be forgiven you. Right? Your sins be forgiven you. And all, it's, it's like it's out of context. 
Because what's this man's problem? He's paralyzed. But you know what? What's worse than being paralyzed? <laughs> Separation for God and all, for all eternity. Our, our, our standing in our own natural lives of being sinners in rebellion against God. And Jesus says to this man, I want to give you something that you didn't even ask for. I want to give you forgiveness of sins. And you remember what the scribes and Pharisees say. <laughs> you can't do that. Only God can forgive sins. And were they right? They were absolutely right. And so all of a sudden there is this realization that, uh, of what Jesus was saying when he said, so that you might know that I have the power to forgive sins, I'm going to say to this man, rise up and walk. And what did he do? He got up and walked. You see, there's, there's a release from our sin and its debt, but not only of its debt, but its, its control over our lives. Can we still sin as Christians? Yes. And do we still sin as Christians? Unfortunately, yes. I remind you, 1 John chapter 2 begins by saying, I write these things to you that you stop your sinning. I don't want you to sin. God doesn't want us to sin. But if and when you do sin, you have an advocate, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He is the ransom price paid for us. So that you and I are set free from sin's bondage in our lives. And so there is this release that comes uh, through the peace that has been made for us in Christ. Notice number five, this text shows us of the redemption of peace. Uh, verse 30 says, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Uh, you've opened my eyes. There's a, there's a revelation that's come. There's a realization that's come. There's a release that has come. But understand it's all based on his redemption. Uh, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 17, it, it's talking about humanity there. And it says about all human beings, the way of peace they have not known. It's just a summarization. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes. Man does not know the peace of God. It doesn't come naturally. But in verse 23 and following of that same chapter, it, it says, We've sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a what? Gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God the Father has put forward as, and he uses that big word, propitiation, ransom price. And what's the price? His blood. He, he has redeemed us by his blood and we receive it by faith. So do I have peace with God and can I give peace to, of God to other people? And the answer is... Only through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And so are you today resting in a redemption 
that has been provided for you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If so, it can transform whatever you're going through. Whatever sin you are dealing with and you are struggling with it, you and I can go to the cross and say, Christ, you paid the price to set me free, to release me from that sin. And then number six, we will see then the renown of peace. I, I use, I'm, I'm trying to come up with uh, all R-E words, if you hadn't noticed. And this is my weakest one, okay? Uh, so I'm just going to point it out. Uh, what does renown mean? It, it means to be made known. There is, a, there is a, a desire on the part of the Father that the peace that comes through Jesus Christ is known by whom? Everyone. Notice what he says in verses 31 and 32. That you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to whom? It says the Gentiles. Now, who are the Gentiles? Well, us. It, it means nations, to all the nations, everybody who wasn't a Jew. But it also says in the second half of verse 32, also for the glory of your people Israel. So it's both for Jew and Gentiles. Uh, for those of the nation of Israel and for all the other ethnic people across the planet. He has come as a light of revelation. He's to be made known to everyone. This peace that uh, is ours through Jesus Christ is, you know, it's not like a selfish Christmas morning. You know, what do you mean selfish Christ Christmas morning? Well, I got a picture uh, of me. It's, there's this kid in it. He is so cute. You would just die over looking at him and it's me uh, when I was just a little <laughs> a little boy and uh, I, I've got you know what I got for Christmas you know back in those days you didn't get stuff for Christmas I got one thing and I don't know I, I guess I'm two years old and I got a tricycle for Christmas and uh, I, I can, my mother can tell me the stories of this. I, I have vague recollection in my mind, so I'm not sure how accurate it is. But I got this uh, little tricycle for Christmas that year. Across the street was Renee. Renee was the same age as me. And uh, so when I got the tricycle for Christmas that Christmas morning, you know who I wanted to show it to? I wanted to show it to Renee, my, my friend across the street. So they let me take that little tricycle. We lived on a dead-end street, and hardly anybody, everybody only had one car in those days, so there were hardly ever any cars going around. And I go, Mom says, I went across over the street to the Strong's house, and there was Renee, and uh, I wanted Renee to see it. Well, guess what Renee wanted to do? She wanted to ride my tricycle. Now, Renee was my friend. And when Renee tried to take my, bicycle, or my tricycle away from me, my mother says that I knocked her down. 
Now that's a terrible thing to do, isn't it? That's just a horrible thing to do. And mom and my mom and her mom had to come together and had to facilitate a truce. All right, between us. They had to make peace between us. And uh, you see, we, we can get so selfish with what God has given to us and say, you know, I'm good. I don't need everybody else to know about it. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty convinced if I go outside of these four walls of the church and take it to the community, to the world, the world is primarily going to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? You and I are, that's right. Few are they that find the way to Christ. And so you and I may say, well, why don't I just keep it to myself? I could have just kept my little tricycle to myself and we wouldn't have had to make peace between us. But the scripture tells us in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24 and verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached where? To the ends of the earth, to the whole world, and then he will come. This, this joy that we have, this love that we've come to know, this hope and assurance that abides in our heart leads us to a peace that reconciles men and women and teenagers to Christ and it changes lives and it's to be renowned. It is to be taken to the ends of the earth. And here was this man... Simeon, who recognized that this baby that was in his hands was God's gift to the world. And he was a revelation not only for Israel, but for the nations. You see, this idea that uh, the Messiah was only for the Jews is not true. It was, it was lost humanity that came to that conclusion. But the scripture revealed to, the, to Israel and to the Jew that the Messiah was not just for them. The Messiah was for the world. And here's Simeon, a, a Jew, in the temple. And when he sees the Messiah, what does he say about him? He's not just for us. He's not just for the glory of Israel. He's for the salvation of the nations. And then lastly, there's a reckoning of peace. There's a reckoning of peace. Because there's some harsh words that are shared here. Simeon talks to Joseph and Mary. Mary and Joseph are marveling at what Simeon has just said about their son. They're still struggling with, how did this baby get here? They've been told, the angel of the Lord told Mary, you were going to conceive of the Holy Spirit. But could you imagine what it must have been like? Everybody else was saying about Mary... Hmm, Mary and Joseph were not faithful to one another before they got married. They weren't faithful to God. They weren't faithful to their promises. And so there's still a little bit of a struggle, I'm sure, that went in their hearts. And they're marveling that now, again, it's being affirmed, this is the Messiah. But notice what Simon says. This child has been appointed for the fall and rising of many. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, 
do I give it unto you? It's a different kind of peace. So much so that Jesus in, John, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34 says uh, some strange words in light of what we've just read. I did not come to bring you peace, but a sword. You see, there's a reckoning that comes when the Prince of Peace is put out before you. You've got to make a choice. He's going to cause some to rise into salvation, and he's going to call others to fall. We, sh we share him, we, we proclaim him to others so that all people have opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and to know the glory of who he is. But the reality is most will not be saved. And I say this to us, don't be discouraged with that. Jesus has told us that beforehand. But he has said to us, declare him. He, he comes to call us to a reckoning of, you've got to do something with Jesus. You and I can talk religion all uh, we want with other people, and they will pretty much put up with us. But when you start mentioning the name of Jesus, that's when the division comes. That's when the cut comes. And that's exactly what the scripture is saying here that Simon said to Mary and Joseph. She, he says to Mary, there's going to be a sword that will pierce through your soul. It's obvious that it was a reference to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dying on the cross of Calvary. She had to sit there below that cross and watch the son that she had raised be crucified and killed for the nations. So what will you do to have peace with God? I think that's the question. What do I have to do to have peace with God? Well, um, the scripture tells us um, in verse uh, 1 of Romans chapter 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God comes through being made right through the blood of Jesus Christ by faith. And so there was a time that Paul and Silas had come into the town of Philippi. You know the story. They had come into Philippi, and uh, they were there to proclaim the Prince of Peace to them. And they threw him in jail. They threw him in jail. And while they're in jail, you remember what they're doing. They've got not only peace with God, but they've got the peace of God abiding in their hearts. And so what are they doing? It's about midnight, and they're singing. They're singing unto the Lord. They're praising God. Uh, circumstances are bad, but they're okay with it. And while they are there, God does something so that these men understand what their purpose in life is all about. You mean we follow Jesus and we get thrown in jail? I'm just not sure I want to follow him. No, that's not the case. The Lord sent an earthquake and breaks open the jail cell. And here's the very purpose and reason for which Paul and Silas exist. And that is to tell others about the great salvation. Remember this man draws his sword as a jailer. And he goes to take his own life. And Paul says, stop. Don't do, your, do harm to yourself. And the man asked the question then. Well, what can I do to be made 
whole again? What can I do to avoid the consequences of the fact that I've lost my, my uh, prisoners? What, and this is the language we translated into English, what must I do to be saved? And what does Jesus, or what does Paul simply say? Believe on the Lord and you will be saved. It's a promise that is given to us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And so I want to ask you today, have you been saved? Have you been rescued? Do you know the Lord as your Savior? And if not, then would you ask the Lord to reveal himself to you that it becomes a reality for you that there is a release from the debt of sin but also a growing in grace so that we have victory over sin in our lives and that there's a peace that abides in our hearts no matter what struggles we may be going through and if you do not have that then today would be the day uh, there's a song I want to read uh, the words to to it uh, for you. It's not going to be on the screen, uh, but it was written by uh, Fanny Crosby, uh, who was blind, and she wrote it in 1882. It says, "Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His." Oops, his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. Redeemed, oh, happy in Jesus. No language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing and I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. I know there's a crown that is waiting in yonder bright mansion for me, and soon with the spirits made perfect at home with the Lord I shall see. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You see, there's a peace with God and there's a peace of God that comes through a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he intends us to walk in today and tomorrow and until we die and see the reality of that peace in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow together in prayer. And Father... As we think about the peace uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ came to make a peace between the holy and righteous demands of the eternal God on our fallen and rebellious sinful state. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ that peace has been made. And you have called us to respond for there to be a, a reckoning, as it were. A reckoning of, is Jesus my Lord and Savior? 
And Lord, if not, to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we may be saved. And if we are reconciled to you, are, are we as your children living in the reality uh, of that peace of God uh, that abides in the heart of the believer through a fullness of the Holy Spirit that comes by desperate cry unto the one who is our salvation. And so I pray, Lord, not only would we have that peace, but, Lord, that we would share that peace with the world around us. And I pray that, Lord, during this Christmas season that you would help us to seize every moment and opportunity to share the greatness of the peace of God that has come through Jesus Christ with friend, with family member, Lord, with co-workers, with fellow students, with our neighbors, and people that we just come in contact with, knowing that you've given us this holiday season, that it may truly be holy days where we talk about what Christ came to do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.